Luke chapter 16. Trust you bear with me this morning. Got this cold. Pray that I get over it quickly. Of course, if you want shorter sermons, I guess you pray the opposite way, maybe. I don't know. But Luke chapter 16. <coughs> this is another one of those passages of Scripture that's often divided up. Which really. I'm of the opinion that chapter 15 and chapter 16 are one continuous sermon by the Lord Jesus. But, and it's really about stewardship. Uh, and, and, you know, of course, we have a, a uh, uh, portion here about the rich man Lazarus in hell. And uh, I may do another message out of that. But I want to look this morning. I'm going to read the entire chapter. And I want to uh, focus on stewardship title of the message is, Give Account of Thy Stewardship. So, so let's look at this, if you would, <coughs> please. Luke chapter 16. And he said also unto his disciples, There was a certain rich man which had a steward. The same was accused unto him that he had wasted his goods. And he called him and said unto him, How is it that I hear this of thee? Give an account of thy stewardship, for thou mayest be no longer steward. Then the steward said within himself, What well, shall I do? For my Lord taketh away from me the stewardship, I cannot dig, to beg I am ashamed. I am resolved what to do, that when I am put out of the stewardship, they may receive me into their houses. So he called every one of his Lord's debtors unto him, and said unto the first, How much owest thou unto thy my Lord? And he said, A hundred measures of oil. And he said unto him, Take thy bill, and sit down quickly, and write fifty. Then said he to another, How much owest thou? And he said, An hundred measures of wheat. And he said unto him, Take thy bill and write four score. And the Lord commanded the unjust steward. Now, don't confuse that the, it isn't God the Lord who's commending the steward for being unjust. It's his master who commended him. <coughs> because he had done wisely, for the children of this world are in their generation wiser than the children of light. I say unto you, Make to yourselves friends of the mammon of unrighteousness, that when you fail... They may receive you in their everlasting habitations. And he that is faithful in that which is least is faithful also in much. He that is unjust in the least is unjust also in much. If therefore ye have not been faithful in the unrighteous mammon, who will commit to your trust the true riches? And if ye have not been faithful in that which is another man's, who shall give you that which is your own? No servant can serve two masters, for either will hate the one and love the other, or else he will hold to the one and despise the other, he cannot serve God and mammon. And the Pharisees also, who were covetous, heard all these things, and they derided him. And he said unto them, Ye are they which justify yourselves before men, but God knoweth your hearts. That which is highly esteemed among men is abomination in the sight of God. The law and the prophets were until John. Since that time the kingdom of God is preached, and every man presseth into it. It is easier for heaven and earth to pass than one tittle of the law to fail. Whosoever putteth away his wife and marrieth another committeth adultery, and whosoever marrieth her that putteth away from her husband committeth adultery. There was a certain rich man, <coughs> excuse me, who was clothed in purple and fine linen and fared sumptuous every day. And there was a certain beggar named Lazarus, which was laid at his gate full of sores. And desiring to be fed with the crumbs which fell from the rich man's table, more of the dogs came and licked his sores. 
came to pass that the beggar died and was carried by the angels into Abraham's bosom. The rich man also died and was buried. In hell he lifted up his eyes, being in torments, and seeth Abraham afar off, and Lazarus in his bosom. And he cried and said, Father, Abraham, have mercy on me, and send Lazarus, and may dip the tip of his finger in water, and cool my tongue, for I am tormented to this flame. But Abraham said, Son, remember that thou in thy lifetime receiveth thy good things, and likewise Lazarus evil things. But now he is comforted, and thou art tormented. Beside all this, between us and you there is a great gulf fixed. So they would pass from hence to you cannot, neither can they pass to us that would come from thence. Then he said, <coughs> Excuse me, I pray thee therefore, Father, that thou wouldest send him to my father's house. For I have five brethren, that he may testify unto them, lest they also come into this place of torment. And Abraham saith unto him, They have Moses and the prophets, let them hear them. And he said, Nay, Father Abraham, but if one went unto them from the dead, they will repent. And he said unto him, They hear not Moses and the prophets, Neither would they be persuaded, though one rose from the dead. So give account of thy stewardship. You know, the typical philosophy of our day is something like this. We're born, we grow up, have fun, get a job, make as much money as possible, maybe get married and have children, grow old and die. There's little thinking or preparation beyond that. Except maybe leave investments for the kids. But the reality of life is that we are eternal beings created in the image of God with an eternal soul and spirit and there is life beyond this life. There is a God who gave us life. And we are to be stewards of his creation and will give an account of that stewardship to him. So this is what Jesus, the, the instruction Jesus is giving his disciples here in this passage of scripture. So let's, let's consider this this morning, give an account of thy stewardship. First of all, we need to understand that everything is God's, for he created it. Verse 1 says, And he said also unto his disciples, There was a certain rich man which had a steward, and the same was accused unto him that he had wasted, notice, his goods. It wasn't the steward's goods that were being wasted. It was the rich man's goods that were being wasted. <coughs> See, everything was the rich man's, and the steward was wasting his goods. And we understand that everything in this world is God's by, by right of creation. In the beginning, God created the heavens and the earth. Psalm 24, 1 and 2 says, The earth is the Lord's and the fullness thereof, the world and they that dwell therein, for he hath founded it upon the seas and established it upon the floods. John 1, John 1, 1 through 3, In the beginning was the Word, the Word was with God, and the word was God. The same was in the beginning with God. All things were made by him. And without him was not anything made that was made. You see, everything that is or was made was made by God. Now, you might say, well, I made 
such and such. Well, you made it of something that was already here. You didn't create it like God created the heavens and the earth. You made it out of something that already existed. And in Acts chapter 17, verses 22 through 25, again, the Apostle Paul, speaking to those at Athens who didn't know where God was or who God was, he says, Acts 17, 22, Then Paul stood in the midst of Mars hills and said, Ye men of Athens, I perceive that in all things ye are too superstitious. For as I passed by and beheld your devotions, I found an altar with this inscription, To the unknown God, whom therefore you ignorantly worship. Him declare I unto you, God that made the world and all things therein, seeing that he is Lord of heaven and earth, dwelleth not in temples made with hands, neither is worshipped with men's hands, as though he needeth anything, seeing he giveth to all life, breath, and all things. And of course, Colossians chapter 1, verses 15 through 17, Paul writing to the church at Colossae, <coughs> excuse me, he says, who is the image, speaking about Christ, the invisible God, the firstborn of every creature, for by him were all things created that are in heaven, that are in earth, visible and invisible, the things that you see and the things that you cannot see, whether they be thrones or dominions or principalities or powers, all things were created by him and for him. And he is before all things, and by him all things consist, or that is, they are held together, or continue on. You know, David understood this principle, this truth, that everything was God's when he was preparing for the, the tabernacle or the temple. <coughs> Excuse me. In 1 Chronicles 29, verses 14 through 16, he says, But who am I and what is my people that we should be able to offer so willingly after this sort? For all things come of thee, and of thine own have we given thee. For we are strangers before thee and sojourners as were all our fathers, our days on the earth are as a shadow, and there is none abiding. O Lord our God, all this store that we have prepared to build thee in house for thine holy name cometh of thine hand, and is all thine own. You see, everything that we have, now I know we say, well, I own that car, or I own that house, or I, but we really don't. No, you pay taxes to government. No, 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 but you really don't. It's God that's given us all these things to be stewards of. I was telling this story on Thursday night about the, the, the older gentleman who, who, who uh, guy tried to take his car, and he said, it's not mine to give. The Lord gave me that car. It's not mine. I can't give you what's not mine. So everything, we understand that everything is God's. He created it. Secondly, that we are stewards of the Lord's goods. Verse 2 says, And he called him and said unto him, How is it that I hear this of thee? Give an account of thy stewardship. <coughs> Excuse me, for thou mayest be no longer steward. We are stewards. So if everything came from God and belongs to God, then we are stewards of his goods. We are not Owners. Excuse me. 
Go to Genesis chapter 1 for a minute. Genesis chapter 1. We see this principle very early on in the book of Genesis. <coughs> Excuse me, Genesis chapter 1, verse 26. And God said, let us make man in our image after our likeness, and let them have dominion over the fish of the sea, and over the fowl of the air, and over the cattle, and over all the earth, and over every creeping thing that creepeth upon the earth. So God created man in his own image, and in the image of God created he him, male and female created he them. And God blessed them, and, and God said unto them, Be fruitful, and multiply, and replenish the earth. And what's the next word? Subdue it. And have dominion over the fish of the sea, and over the fowl of the air, and over every living thing that moveth upon the earth. And God said, Behold, I have given you every herb bearing seed, which is upon the face of all the earth, every tree in the, in the field, <coughs> tree, and every uh, uh, tree in all the, which is the fruit of the, of a tree yielding seed, to you it shall be meat for you. And then in chapter 2, uh, no, I'm sorry, go to chapter 9. Chapter 9, again in verse 1, this is repeated after the flood. God blessed Noah and his sons and said unto them, Be fruitful and multiply and replenish the earth. The fear of you, <coughs> excuse me, and the dread of you, shall be upon every beast of the earth, upon every fowl there, and upon all the earth, all, upon all that moveth upon the earth, upon all the fishes of the sea, into your hand are they delivered. Every moving thing that liveth shall be meat for you, even as the green herb have I given you all things. So again, so God told, told man, Adam and Eve, when he created them in the garden, and put them in the garden, he said, I've given you dominion over all the earth. You know, God made it and then gave Man, the management of it, if you will. That's stewardship. That's stewardship. And he repeats that here to Noah after he comes off of the earth. That man is to have dominion <coughs> or control over all the earth. So, he, so man is the steward of this world. Now a steward... Is is a manager, you know. Is you know he might be a manager of a farm or a landed estate. He's an overseer. Remember in Genesis chapter thirty nine, we have an excellent picture of a steward that Potiphar made Joseph steward over all his house, and he knew not what he had, hot the bread that he eat, that he ate, and the wine which he drank. Joseph didn't own it, but Joseph managed it he was a manager and so we are stewards of the Lord's goods that which the Lord has given us and, and we if you notice the third thing here we are or we will give account of our stewardship notice again verse 2 he called him and said unto him, How is I hear this of thee? Give an account of thy stewardship, for thou mayest be no longer steward. <coughs> Excuse me. You know, 1 Corinthians 4 2 says, Moreover, it is required in stewards that a man be found faithful. Romans 14 12 says, So them and every one of us shall give account of himself to God. 
And Romans 2, 6 says, who will render to every man according to his deeds. You see, every person, whether they're saved or lost, hang on here, every person, whether they're saved or lost, going to get an account to God for their stewardship of what God has given them. You know, the word account here means, i.e., answer or an explanation in reference. We're going to have to give an answer. The saved will be at the judgment seat of Christ. And we're going to be judged for our works. The lost will be at the great white throne judgment, and they're going to be judged according to their works. Whereas they'll all be cast into the lake of fire. So, whether, we're, whether you're saved or lost, you're going to give an account of your stewardship to the Lord. <coughs> we'll all give an account. But notice here, that's, that's where the, the uh, we see, a, now we see a distinction here. Uh, we, will, we will be commended as wise stewards. We notice, drop down to verses 8 through 12. It says, and the Lord commended the unjust steward because he had done wisely. For the children of this world in their generation wiser than the children of, of light. And I say unto you, make to yourselves friends of the mammon of unrighteousness, that when you fail, they may receive you into everlasting habitations. <coughs> Excuse me. So, he commends this steward as acting. Not, he wasn't commending what he did. He was commending him for acting wisely. For his thought process. So, what is a wise servant, a ser- or wise steward? Well, he's, a, he's one who uses what he has to bring forth fruit or as a wise investment or for, in our case, as an eternal reward. Uh, and here we have, what we have here, this is an interesting statement. It says, make to yourselves friends of the mammon of unrighteousness. And what's mammon? What's mammon? It's this stuff. It's this stuff right here. Now it says, it is the mammon of unrighteousness. Now, Ryan, is this stuff wicked? But is this wicked by itself? Is it good or is it evil? It's good. Or is it evil? Huh? It's neither. It's what we would say is all moral. It's sort of like, watch out, there's this real dangerous weapon here. It's a knife. Is this knife good or evil? Huh? It's neither. No. It can't. I mean, if I lay this knife down here, it can't do anything. If I lay this money down here, it can't do anything. So why does the Lord call it the mammon of unrighteousness? 
Well, you realize if there wasn't sin in the world, we wouldn't need this stuff. This is the fruit of the fall. There was no money in the Garden of Eden. There was no need of money in the Garden of Eden. So in a sense, this is the fruits of unrighteousness. And the Lord says, you're to use the fruits of unrighteousness for spiritual things. That's the idea here. We can use the fruits of the world, of this world, and, 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 uh, of this world, uh, to bring forth fruit unto eternal life. Now, there's, there's another word here I want to define. It says, when ye fail. Now, the steward's being put out, or he's losing his stewardship. But the, when, but the phrase here, when, when ye fail, really means when you die. When you leave this life, or when you cease. So, he's saying here that make to yourselves friends of the mammon of righteousness. So, use your money, your finances, to bring you everlasting reward. To bring you everlasting reward. You see, money is not good or evil. There's nothing wrong with having a lot of money. There's a misconception that some people have that they that some Christians think God wants us poor. I think that's a false idea. God doesn't want us poor. You know, you know why usually people are poor? It's because of a life of habitual sin. That's usually why people are living in poverty. Because they're wasters. God doesn't waste anything. So, so we are to use our money, which is the result of sin, uh, to lay up treasures in heaven, to invest in souls. Notice verse 9 again. I say to you, make to yourselves friends of the mammoth of unrighteousness, that when you fail, they may receive you into everlasting habitations. So the idea here is that we invest, use our money, invest in spiritual things, invest in the, reaching the souls of men so that when we die, when we leave this life, when we go to be with the Lord, we enter into heaven, there are other theirs that receive us with joy, knowing that we had part in their opportunity of hearing the gospel and obtaining eternal life. Now, I don't know how all this is going to work, but you know, we're, we're going to know everything when we get to heaven. And I believe that there's going to be people from Greenland in heaven who know that you gave some money to help the shawls reach them with the gospel. And they'll know you when you get there. And they'll know of your investment. First Timothy 6, 17 says, Charge them a rich in this world, that they be not high-minded, nor trust in uncertain riches. But the living God, who giveth us richly all things to enjoy. You know, God gives us, <coughs> excuse me, 
all things richly or abundantly to enjoy them. But to use them for his honor and for his glory. So we're to use the mammon of unrighteousness. You know, our finances. I have a few things here I listed as that we need to be good stewards of. We need to be good stewards of our finances. Use them to reach other people with the gospel of the Lord Jesus Christ. Our bodies. We need to be good stewards of our bodies. You know, Romans 12, 1 says, I beseech you therefore, brethren, by the mercies of God, that you present your bodies a living sacrifice. Second Corinthians 4, 7 says, but we have this treasure in earthen vessels that the excellency of the power may be of God and not of us. Does our earthen vessels speak well of our Lord? Think about it. Second Timothy 2.21 says, If a man purge himself from these, he should be a vessel, again, speaking of his body, unto honor, sanctified meat, and that word meat means fit, or useful for the master's use, and prepared unto every good work. So are we being good stewards of our bodies, our vessel, wherein we dwell, out of which we can share the gospel, work to help finance others to go and give the gospel? Are we good stewards of our relationships? Our marriages, do they glorify God? Do we have an honorable purpose to multiply, to raise a godly seed? You know, notice, it's interesting that verse 18 is stuck in this passage. That really struck me. Whosoever putteth away his wife and marrieth another committeth adultery, and whosoever marrieth her that is put away from her husband committeth adultery. You see, see, we need to be good stewards of our relationships, of our homes. I mean, do we love our wives as Christ loves the church, or loves this church, we might say? Wives, do you reverence your husband? You know, men, do we listen to our wives as the Lord listens to our prayers? Hmm, that kind of stuck me. I can hear, but not hear. Maybe that's a man trait, I don't know. But I know it's one of mine. I have to work on. Wives, how do you talk to your husband? Think about that. How do we talk to the Lord? Yeah, the Lord, and the Lord doesn't give us everything we ask for. But he does. He rebukes us in love and compassion. You know, are we good stewards of our relationships? You know, Proverbs tells us that a prudent wife is from the Lord. And of course, if you think about it in context, the Pharisees, they had a lot of, a lot of issues here that he's addressing. And we'll look at that a little bit later, but so, so our, relation, our bodies, our, our finances, our, our relationships, our talents and abilities that we have, are we using them to glorify the Lord? Are we being good stewards of what God has given us, of our time? 
You know, we all have 24 hours in a day, seven days a week. What do we do with our time? We need to be good stewards. And God, we will be commended as wise stewards. He commended him for he had done wisely. But I want you to notice a fifth thing. We will be condemned if we are unjust stewards. Notice verse 8 says, And the Lord commanded the unjust steward. Now the word unjust means treachery. <coughs> Excuse me. And that's a violation of faith. It's betrayal of trust. It's treason. Notice verses 14 through 17 says, And the Pharisees also who were covetous heard all these things, and they derided him. And the word deride has the idea they turned up their nose. You know, these were the, these were the men who did their alms to be seen of men. Whereas they did their giving so everybody would see how much they gave. These are the men that prayed long prayers on standing on the street corners, again, to be seen of men. These are the men that, men that fasted and disfigured their faces and made themselves look like they were, oh, so, so you know, suffering so much in their pious misery. They're like the self-righteous elder brother who said in, in chapter 15, verse 29, Neither transgressed I at any time thy commandment. And all these things are highly esteemed. They're exalted and honored and, 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 and looked at and, as people of affluence. And, and the Lord said, they're an abomination in the sight of God. They're detestable. You know, these were trying to press their way into the kingdom. Verse 15, verse 17, 16, thousands. You know, I compare these people to like Esau. You know, Esau wanted his father's blessing, but he didn't want the birthright. I mean, he wanted blessing, but he cared less for the birthright. The birthright, see, was the spiritual aspect of the blessing. It gave him, made him the spiritual head of the family. But he didn't want it. He had no interest in that. He just wanted the blessing. He acted independently of the Lord. He did his own thing. You know, he was not a murderer. He loved his parents. He wanted to please them. I mean, when he saw that it didn't please his parents of the wife he married, he went and married a different wife so to try and please his parents. See, his problem was he just didn't want to give God his rightful place. He despised his birthright. He lived for the things of the world, and that's what the Pharisees did. You know, Hebrews 12 calls... Esau, profane. The word profane simply means irreligious. He didn't care less about his relationship with the Lord. 
And the Lord here, I believe in this passage, gives us an example of one who cares about the Lord and one who doesn't. And their end. And that's what you have rich man Lazarus. You see, the rich man did not go to hell because he was rich, but because he wasted his master's goods. Look at it, verse 19. There was a certain rich man which was clothed in purple and fine linen and fared sumptuous every day. And there was a certain beggar named Lazarus was laid at his gate full of sores. And desiring to be fed with the crumbs which fell from the rich man's table, more of the dogs came and licked his sores. And it came to pass that the beggar died and was carried by the angels in Abraham's bosom. And the rich man also died and was buried. So here you have this man who lived sumptuously, fared sumptuously every day. You know, that means he lived splendidly, magnificently, you know, luxurious, fine or large, lavish living. Every day. All, you know, all his living, all his work was about him. About him. And about this life only. It wasn't about God or who, where he got these things from or his fellow man that was in need. He did nothing for Lazarus. And you know, he gave no consideration to life after death until He didn't care about his brothers until he's in hell. So he gave no thought for laying up treasures in heaven until he's already passed the opportunity to lay up treasures. You know, now, now is our day of opportunity. Now is our time to be stewards of what God has given us. You know, when we leave this life, it's too late. You know, the rich man's in hell. Now he knows. Now reality has set in. Now he has to face his maker. But it's too late. You know, Hebrews 9, 27 says, And as it is appointed unto man once to die, and after this, the judgment. So how is it with you? Do you consider what you have as your own? Do you ever think about who gave you life? Who gives you breath? Or who gives you the power to get well?
You know, are you prepared to give an account of your stewardship? You know, we don't know. You know, it doesn't say here, you know, the Bible doesn't give us any indication when our time is going to happen. We just have to know that it is. The question I have for you this morning is, are you prepared to give an account of your stewardship? Are you using what God has given you, whether it be little or whether it be much, for his glory, for his honor? Are you laying up treasures in heaven where moth and rust doth not corrupt, nor thieves break nor steal? You know, what have you done with the message of the gospel? That's where it all begins. How have you been a steward of that? Or what are you doing with what you have been entrusted with for the gospel? You know, are you investing in eternal things? Using the things of unrighteousness for eternal reward. You see, we must all give one day an account of our stewardship. So the question is today, are you prepared? Let's pray.